Yes, sir. And welcome to the road to Damascus, where it's not about the road, it's about the journey. And I want to thank you all for listening to another episode of Road to Damascus. I'm your host, Brock Hendricks. And before I introduce the people that's going to help me navigate this ship today, I just want to tell you how you can participate. Per usual, you can reach us via email. That's at Road to Damascus. That's Road the number two, Damascus at iCloud.com. Send us any show topics, ideas, any words of encouragement. Tell us how much you love the show or not how much you love it. And um, any feedback is appreciated. Also, we're on the socials. You can see us on Instagram as well as Twitter at Road to Damascus. That's Road the number two, Damascus. Give us a follow, highlight us, and let people know how great our show is. And now it's time to start the show. So with me today is a voice that we haven't heard in a while. Um, Some of you know him as a television star. Others may know him as Bob the Builder. I know him as my bro. Say what's up to the people, Steph. Say what's up to the people. What up? up To the people. Yeah, I don't know about that Bob the Builder comment. You know. <laughs> I think Bob got canceled a while. <laughs> well, you would never be canceled. No. Uh, for all the 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 Rabbi Shonda fans, uh, she is not with us today. She had a prior engagement. She's somewhere being a keynote speaker, um, getting ready to um, prep herself. So when one day she's on the big stage at the Fox, um, this is just preparation for that. But um, no, she's not with us today. Nor is Lauren, but they're always with us in spirit and showing love. So how you been, Steph? How you been? You know, working a lot, doing a lot of different things. So I said, you know what? I got to make some time. I got a little downtime right now before I start this next site. So I figured, you know what? Let me come up here and uh So so we hope when you start this, this new project that you will find a little time for us commoners. 100%. Yeah, you know what? That's something I'm learning. Okay. Another lesson in life I'm learning right now. Okay, so I'm so I might have to do the same thing to get you back up here next time with some uh, vittles. Yeah, you know what? So for everybody that is listening right now, uh, Shonda is very nice, so she's not going to complain. So at first we would get some really nice water. Today, oh, okay. See now today we got hold on, right, hold on. Wait. today okay. we got pure. Let's like, just go to the. We got pure like but but I got full breakfast today, full breakfast, which was dope. I got really I got full breakfast and then he grabbed my phone and seen that the 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 battery is red, right? He brings me a chart. This is uh, this is top tier service I'm getting here, so I'm happy to be back. <laughs> I'm happy to be back. Well, we happy to have you back and uh happy to have you back in the fold. So you. let's uh start the show. So, um Stefan, healing. Okay. We're talking about healing today, but not in terms of healing of you fell out mm-hmm. um, and hit your head or you broke a bone in your body, but healing in the terms of spiritual and natural healing over pains and hurts and things that may have been done to you to um, cause you to um, be in a season of anger or depression mm-hmm. or things like that. So we will be discussing healing today. So how do how do you, Overall, how do you look at healing when it comes to healing emotional as opposed to physical healing? You know, it's funny. Yesterday we were in a barbershop and we were talking. We, we were we had a discussion because, you know, the barbershop every single week is like a new discussion. And it really is a place where you can go and unpack some of the ideas and thoughts you have if you have the right people around you. And I, I have a barbershop and I'm blessed to have like the ones around me that they're older. You know, they're like our dad's age and. I'm a little younger, but, you know, these guys have a little bit of wisdom on them, and we were talking because one of the brothers in there, his his mom passed away. Uh, I think she passed away maybe a couple months ago, and I know that's been a lot for him to unpack. And then as of recent, you know, uh, like with Cousin Carl passing away and stuff like that, has been a little – it's been, you know – trying and it's been it's been difficult to deal with those different things and I look at healing now from a different perspective than I used to and that was one of the things we talked about yesterday um healing now I look at it like it's it's a muscle that has to be worked I used to have an idea what I thought healing was before and I thought healing was a one-time thing 
Not for us. No, healing is something that that takes time and that you have to continue to surrender to God and you have to deal with those emotions that come along with it and you have to look at everything out of love. Amen. Amen. So it's funny. I just want to read this real quick. Um, Shonda sent me this because I had told her um, because we didn't have a show last week, but we were going to talk about healing and she wasn't going to be able to be here last week either, but she sent me this. So she, you know, she can't satellite drop, right? Satellite drop of nuggets. She said healing is painful and ugly at times. It's compromise of tears, soaked sleepless nights. It's a slaughtering of the ego as you come to grips with the part you play in your own pain. It's releasing blame for the offender and owning responsibilities of the offended. It takes as long as it takes. Holy Spirit will will provide comfort, but we have to surrender what we feel the comfort should look like in order to reap the benefit. Healing is an act of the will. It begins when you are ready. Yes. That's good. She ain't even here. She dropping nuggets, bro. Hey, hey, that's how God works. When, 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 you, when you got it, you got, got it. it. Yes, sir. So, so thank you for sending me that, Shonda, to read to that. But, but like Shonda said, um, healing looks different for everybody. And, you know, today's show, we probably going to use more personal examples mm-hmm. and things like that. But one that we both shared was the death of our brother. Absolutely. Um, I can't believe it's been, what, 12 years now? Yep, 2010. 2010, yeah. Yep, that we lost our uh, brother. Um, and the process of healing after we lost our brother was different for both of us. So I can only speak from, from my standpoint when we lost our brother, um, the last time me and him talked and I brought this up on the show before it wasn't the greatest conversation. So I was heartbroken because the last conversation we had, I didn't get to tell him I loved him. And about three, two to three weeks after his funeral, I had a dream where I was able to tell him in my dream that I loved him. And I felt like that was God giving me closure. So the way I healed um, was just gradual over time and knowing in the comfort that um, he trusted God, he loved God. And, you know, it was some things that my brother had already said God had told him he needed to do. And if he didn't do them, this would happen. So I just began to, the comforting healing part came from me was just knowing that we still had each other and we had to be there for each other and we had to lift up one another. But it also, the part that helped me heal was um, finding comfort in, in building my relationship more with Christ. But even with my, my own, at the time I just had my son Noah and you know, you just begin to cherish people more and understand that no, nothing is guaranteed. Cause in our family, we hadn't lost anybody like that prior to that so that was our first time really like having a death happen where it was like a shock to everybody's system you know what I'm saying so it was like the part that was really helping me heal was the family as a whole the way we were able to come together and love on one another and things like that now I know you had a little bit longer process Mm -hmm. of healing so how would you have described your healing in that situation because it took some years for you yeah it took some years and I I, I was and we talked about it yesterday at the barbershop. It was, it was more of a immature um, process because I had never endured anything like that. You know, when you when you talk about forgiveness when you're younger, or not even just younger, just uh, unlearn, you look at forgiveness as uh, smaller things and um, healing goes through it, not even just in the forgiveness part, but healing is something that you have to be able to focus your mind on God in. And around that time when I was younger, I really didn't, I didn't take that process. I was younger and I was just developing in God and in an intimate relationship with God. But as soon as something like that happened, it, it kind of rattled and threw me off course. And I started to look at the things that I was missing out on. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this now. And it was really out of anger. And that anger, inside that anger was rebellion. 
And that led me down the road to, you know, to do many different things. That and, you wouldn't have normally had done. Yeah, but the the part I learned about God is um, even through that process, and remember the, the saying that we always say, life lived forward, only understood in reverse. I was able to see how patient God was with me even during those times because uh, the the conviction never stopped. And even as sometimes it was always him constantly encouraging me. It wasn't like, no, you shouldn't be. It was, I love you. You know, everything's going to be okay. You will be restored. You know, those different kind of things. And I can look at things now and, and just thank God for where I've arrived to even now. Amen. Amen. So so let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. The, why is it do you think that we try to put time frame on people's healing? Why do you think us as a society overall, I mean, we just try to tell People, oh, you should be over that by now. Um, it's just uncomfortable, you know. We uh, everybody wants um, comfort, and the truth is, comfort is not a necessity; it's a desire. You know what I'm saying? God promises us peace, and peace are those different things, or or peace in the situation is much different than comfort. We're always going to have to endure something. You know, you lose uh, the loss of somebody. It's uncomfortable and you go through a season of uncomfort and or discomfort and you you really don't want to have to. But it's something that we have to go through. Other people have gone through before the person that passed. They had to go through that. It's it's a it's a cycle. We we put a time frame on something because we want things now. You know, we're impatient people. You know, we want things now. Microwave society. A hundred percent. And then the person that's around the person that is actually either uh, grieving or healing has to endure some of the the discomfort that they have because that person's energy may be off. So it's like, I don't like being around here because they kind of, they always put me in the the same mood. So it's like, no, you need to hurry up and get past this. And it's like. When you're around them, you hear this. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, uh, it's it's a process. And uh, if you can be empathetic with somebody who's going through something, it actually helps the process. But it in itself is a process and it can't be sped up. So do you think um, it's a lack of empathy from most people? A hundred percent. So so wh- why do you think um, – because even within the church community, you see a lot of people that try to put a time frame mm-hmm. on your healing. Why do you think when we know that we serve a God that was sympathetic or empathetic? Because remember, it said he was tempted in all ways of a man, yet he sinned mm-hmm. not. But he did what he did for us. He was able to feel how we felt in this flesh. Mm-hmm. So it was almost like now I know what they deal with. And why do we put a time frame when we as Saints are supposed to be even more sympathetic or empathetic, I should say. Because we're we're always looking at self. We always want to do what's best for us, and it's never uh, what's best for somebody else. Empathy requires you to look at your own circumstances and issues that you've dealt with before and to look at this person as if they were you, and then you can actually approach them with a mature uh, outlook to be able to give them something and a gift that you didn't have at the time. But a lot of people don't want to give the gift. Well, well, even, but think about this. So sometimes you. Or not, maybe not don't want to give the gift. They're unlearned in exactly what is needed at that time. Right. But but say, um, think of it like this. So a lot of times we don't. Empathy is basically putting yourself in somebody else's shoe. Yep. And it's like, if you just had a bad breakup or mm-hmm. if you just cheated or if you just lost a loved one and things like that you might not specifically have lost someone you might not specifically be the one who has dealt with the trauma but you have to put yourself in the shoe how would you feel if that was you who got cheated on how would you feel what if that was you who had gotten broken up with how would you feel you see what i'm saying and a lot of times it's like we unfortunately seem like people have to experience it first and now they can be sympathetic because sympathy is I've been through that before to really be empathetic. Mm -hmm. Like instead of just being empathetic, 
because that's how we should be because we should love one another. It seems like we have to go through it and become sympathetic to the need. Yeah, well, I think a lot of people approach um, situations with sympathy over empathy. I think empathy is required more than the sympathy part because the empathy, if uh, we'll just say, for instance, somebody uh, loses a loved one. And the person with sympathy approaches them and they're talking, I'm so sorry for your loss. I'm sorry about this. That's the last thing somebody wants to hear that lost somebody. Empathy tells you, I, this person honestly really just wants me around them or they want me. Yeah. They, they, they just want me to, to just be in their space to allow them to deal with their dealing with because words aren't going to change anything for them right now. It's nothing you can say for that person at that moment. Yeah, the words aren't going to bring them back. No, the words they, aren't going to bring them back. Like sometimes your, like you said, your presence, the your, like like me and you, people will say that we have great sense of humor. Mm-hmm. If I come around you and you go, I say that about you. <laughs> <laughs> this guy, but you understand what I'm yeah. saying. So if I come around you and I know you're going through something, and and it's like I can automatically tail off your energy what you might need so it's like let me just give him what he needs in this moment so i might say something to crack a little joke and he's like and because at that point you don't want to just keep because you just want somebody to be normal Mm -hmm. regular it's like we don't know how to be normal Mm -hmm. and regular Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying it could be first like hey i know you done heard all the i'm sorry's and all that other stuff but what you ain't gonna hear from me and you just crack a joke and then and then it kind of breaks the ice with that person. Be like, all right, they know what they know what I needed mm-hmm. at that moment. So it, it, it's true in the same sense. Then, as Shonda would say, hurt people, hurt people, heal people, heal, heal people. people. So it's that's why it's important for us to to endure these different tests and these different trials and these different um, um, experiences that we go through in God to allow us to get to a point to where we can be that that stable force for somebody that is going through something and we can be able to give them a word of encouragement and they can also create that same domino effect to be that, that same heal person for somebody else. Absolutely. So another question for you. Mm -hmm. What about when you're the perpetrator of the hurt? You've caused the hurt. Mm -hmm. How, how do you handle those? When, how do you help someone heal when you're the one Who's caused the trauma? Who's caused the pain? I've been there before. I mean, <laughs> we've I, all been there. Yeah, I've been there before. Where I've, I'm, I'm, and it may not have been something large, and it, it possibly could have. I can't really say how I made somebody else feel, but I've always tried to come back and create reconciliation. Because the first thing you can do um, in anything, you can't force anybody to forgive you, but you can initiate reconciliation. To say, hey, listen, I don't care how long it's been. I, I want to apologize about the way I said uh, X, Y, and Z to you or the way I made you feel in this instance. That wasn't my intention, although my intention doesn't negate that your emotions or the experience of what you or, or, or your idea of this experience made you feel. I want to apologize for that. That usually starts the path of reconciliation. So a lot of times we tell, um, to piggyback kind of what you said, um, we can't tell anybody mm-hmm. to forgive us. Mm-hmm. We can only ask for their forgiveness. Um, but do you even think, because sometimes we try to tell people what their healing should look like. Like, this is how I know you will be healed. Or this people who are trying to heal, they shouldn't do this. An example I think of is, I don't know if you remember, um, Bothman Jean. He was the young man who got shot by the cop when he was in his apartment eating ice cream and she went into the wrong apartment and oh, thought yeah, he was yep. a perpetrator. Yep. And to remember at the trial when she got convicted, her his brother asked if he can hug the uh, police officer and he gave her a hug. Yep. And a lot of people was like, uh-uh, why he hugging her? Now that's going to look sympathetic to the jury and things like that. He shouldn't have did that. But if that's what he needed to help him heal, who are we to then turn around and criticize his process that he needs? Absolutely. So, so why do we even um, try to um, 
tell people what their healing should look like, what their process should look like. Um, you know what? Because think about that step. Like we we've never we the person who killed our brother, we've never seen him, never had a chance to be confronted with that person. So I don't know how I would react if I had to sit in the courtroom and do that. But I also know that God tells me I have to he uh forgive. Absolutely. And at this point I am I will always love my brother. Um I miss him dearly. Um and I can say I've healed from him no longer being with us. But would that a process like that open up old wound? I'm you pretty see, sure, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it would. I think um <clears throat> the best way I can kind of look at it that that has worked for me. <clears throat> excuse me. The best way I look at it that has worked for me is um, looking at myself and the flaws that I have and the areas that I make constant mistakes on and the things I've required forgiveness in and the areas that God has forgiven me and even from a natural thing of the people that I may have offended along the way and the things I continuously do. I may say something wrong or, or do something wrong, so I look at myself as an imperfect creature. I'm perfect in God, but I'm imperfect in myself. And so I look at myself and I say, I require forgiveness. How can I look at somebody else and, um, you know, condemn them over something that I, too, still need to be forgiven over different things? So that helps me in looking at somebody else with the heart of forgiveness and an approach of forgiveness. Because if I look at myself as a victim, then it's easy for me to point the blame at somebody. To say, man, you you just did me wrong. You did me. I have to look at the ways that somebody else was a victim and I may have been a perpetrator in many, many different areas. You know, and like I said, it doesn't have to be that large of, of murdering someone, especially someone that we love. Um, I know that even in that case, when we talk about, you know, Jew and those different things, I know that God has everything under control and one thing that is always I've always felt is God always restores and he never leaves me broken. So as long as I take the approach of constant forgiveness, even forgiving myself in different areas and not holding those pains and continuously move forward because God is the author of my growth and my maturity, then I can approach a situation much differently. Absolutely great. Well, I like that. Good job. So let me back to how I had prefaced before I asked that question, but about when when we are the uh, perpetrators mm-hmm. of, of the the pain or the hurt of somebody, um, what how how should we take it if we hurt somebody and and in their healing, they tell us that we can no longer be a part of their lives that that the the hurt that you may have caused for whatever. The purpose, the um, the issue may have been, but a part of their healing is they have to cut you off. Is that something we should just have to be okay with? You gotta heal from the rejection. Nah. <laughs> I mean, that's just the that's just the whole point. <laughs> hey, I, like I said, we're constantly hurting somebody. The right. person that's hurt now hurts you by saying you can't be a part of their life. So now we're constantly it's it's a whole. A vicious circle. It's a vicious cycle. And we're all, everybody's hurting somebody. So the person that hurt you now feels like the victim because you're cutting them off. Now they're hurt. Is their hurt valid? It it, it really is valid because they created you as somebody in their life. Did they mishandle you? I'm pretty sure they did. They may or may not have. But then to, to get to the point to where somebody says, I'm done. That's something now the other person now has to heal from while the other person is also healing from the thing that you did from to them. So, I mean, that, that allows you to see, I'd rather be on the side of constant forgiveness to allow God to continue to work through me to where I'm not this person that's constantly creating these, these issues. I want to be on the side to where God is always healing and restoring. And that's the, that's the part that is, it's like a muscle. Like I said, I was going to the gym Different thoughts pop in your head and you say, man, I remember, dog, that, that, that situation, that, 
this just and it, the the emotions can easily pop back up because you know we're not like God. We just don't just throw something into a sea <laughs> the of, sea of forgiveness yeah, never to be seen, thought yeah, of. You know, there ain't no sea of forgiveness. No sea of, it's 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 a basement of it's right. a basement of things I forgot. But then you be like <laughs> all of a sudden you you know how like think when you're at the crib and you go in the basement and you open a box. You like, I forgot all about I this. I forgot all about <laughs> this. <laughs> no, and that's exactly and the thing. The emotions pop right back up, <laughs> right? Because really, you never really uh, truly get over something. You grow from it, right? And so now you can easily pull those emotions back, right? And you can look back at something and say, "Man, I remember that." And slowly, it wants to creep back in again. That same and become fester and yep, get you angry. I, there you go. And and usually, when it gets like that for me, I immediately try to nip it in the bud and I I pray over it and I bless the situation. I bless whoever that person is that I'm thinking about. Like, no, Father, I thank you for what you're doing right now. I thank you for my healing. I thank you for the experiences of and the lessons I've learned. And I speak blessings over those people. X, so y, is, Z, is, or, is that the natural? Um, in a natural sense, would that be it's in the basement? I better go sit it out with the trash. I mean, some people like memories. I can't really say that's for everybody. Some people <laughs> like to keep little, little. Uh, I need to remember what you did yeah, for me. Memorabilia, <laughs> you know, it's like never forget. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Some people like to keep the little memorabilia, and some of the things aren't good memories. Right. So if it's a good memory, but then the uh, person or whatever the situation they left, and it's like, oh, uh, well, I'm not in contact with this person. I just remember the memory though. Keep the memorabilia. If you feel right. like if you feel like you can't see it and it, it creates a problem for you, then you probably need to get rid of it. Then at that gotcha. point, <laughs> so you can never bring that memory up again. <laughs> no, absolutely. So, all right, let me ask ask this or broach this topic with you. So, someone's hurt you. You cut them off. You are healing, and in the midst of your healing you start to miss that person or think of that person or long for that person. Um, now we know with a, a, a death, you can't bring that person back. Absolutely. But in your grieving and thinking about it, as you're trying to heal, you may do something crazy. Like you may go to a medium and say, can you contact them for me? Or if it's a breakup in a relationship, you may start to not today's, day and age you following the Instagram page under a fake name or you know or having people check in on them and things like that whatever it may be um like you don't want to have direct contact with them but you still kind of thinking about them because we remember the good times no matter how bad somebody does you when you've had that separation of time the the things you you don't remember the bad things you remember the good things so would you say that it would be healthy to, um, in your opinion, because this is your opinion, would you think it's just healthy to try to continue to move on and not do that? Or if that's how they need to heal, that's how they need to heal because sometimes that could just be your flesh. No, it, honestly, and an approach like that to where <clears throat> you you feel like you need to go to, you know, some kind of, <clears throat> excuse me, some some like spiritual guidance those are going to open more doors than, you know, you trying to just that, that one door of the person that you had that is now gone. Really, I would suggest to dig deeper into God. And the reason why I say this and not to, to go, but, but hold on and keep your thought, mm -hmm. please keep your thought. But even sometimes people blame God when they go through stuff. Why'd you let that person cheat on me? Why'd you let that person hurt me? Why'd you take that person from me? And, you know, like even Shonda has talked about it. Uh, she's not here, but when her mother passed away mm -hmm. and how she was upset about that. And the one person that she couldn't live without, she had to learn to live without. Mm -hmm. And even, you know, even you've talked about Jeremy. Jeremy was your big brother. I didn't grow up in the house with y'all. So Jeremy was your big brother. Yeah. From, we from were, me and you, we didn't, it, it was a, uh, a year. Yeah, a year and a half apart. So it was like, it was a big brother thing, but it was more like peers. Right. You know, because we were closer. Maybe for Caillou, it was like big brother thing. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, it was it was difficult because we were peers. And he was uh, my big brother. So it was it was difficult at the time. I, you Yeah, so so in those sense, mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. you know, we say dig in to God, but what if you're also blaming God for what you're going through? I mean, that's a that's a, a normal response. Usually the first thing is is you you look to the one who is the source that you say, you could have changed this. Um, I had to look at different things in my life, and when I pray for certain things, and I've looked at I have God, how God has been so faithful and so committed, and I look at the the natural order of certain things. We all have to go one day, and it's something that is, you know, it's a hard pill to swallow, but we all have to go. So the mature thing I look at now is, is I ask God that I can, that I can, Establish myself in him planted firmly in him that not when just this one time this happens and like Jew passed cousin Carl passing uh you know papa passing and those different things but even when the ones that you care about that are here now and they pass that I can be established and secure in God that I can be able to endure those different seasons I want to be like the thing that we talked about with the tree and the deepening of the roots. As long as my, my roots deepen in God, that when the wind blows, I can go ahead and I can endure the storms. Um, somebody that hasn't planted their soul firmly in God, when different things happen and disasters strike, they're easily swayed and, and, and they tip and, and, um, or uprooted. And those are the things that, you know, we all have to go through the exact same emotions. But the only difference is, is when you surrender and deepen yourself in God, you can endure. And God will give you the strength you need. Like the peace that they talk about that passes all understanding. You know, you will have that, that, that peace. Um, but that's not to say that you still don't go through those different emotions because we all, we all live the same lives. We all go through the exact same emotions. At those different times. So, um, I mean, yeah, it's just, it's difficult all around. Absolutely. So in the, in the sense of, um, let's bring it. Cause I know a lot of it's been headed towards, um, like sound like more like death and things like that. Yep. But even what about even from the, the standpoint of a relationship? So like, um, like marriage or dating and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. you know, um, we invest our time, we invest in people and then things happen and it can be hurtful. And, um, especially when you've invested time, cause that's something mm-hmm. you'll never get back. 100%. Um, and I think that because we, um, especially in the church, we really don't tell people how to date. You know what I'm saying? It's just kind of like, all right, here here they come for pre-marriage counseling and things like that. You know what I'm saying? It's like, all right, yeah, well, you good. So what about even from the standpoint of in, in dating, um, the hurts and the pains? Because you can either be on the receiving end or you can be the one who's done it. Yeah. Uh, both of them are grief, you know, and they usually take the same process. Um, when you're going through is uh, it's just you know death is one that is you know it's final and it's the finality yeah, of death. It's the finality of it. It's like you know you'll never see this person again. You the things you wish you could have said, the things that yeah like are in unsaid life, in this yeah. life, you'll never see this person again. But right. we have to go through a door to where it's an unknown thing, and it it can be you know going through those without going into depth. It's difficult, right? Um, and it's the exact same approach when you're you've been in a relationship or in a relationship with somebody and you guys break up, sever ties, you've experienced it before, I've experienced it before. It's just as difficult, you know? Um, and within those approaches or those 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 different experiences that you go through, um, I've learned that the process is the exact same. So you would so you would say that the the grief of losing someone is is the same. It's similar, yeah. Now it depends on if you. Now I'm not talking about somebody that you didn't care about, right? No, we're talking. We're talking love, love, yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Because when you lose a loved one, that's the key word, loved right. one, not somebody that you didn't know, a loved one. So when you lose somebody that you were in a relationship and you love, the process is very similar to that of, you know, the death of someone. You go through the denial part, then you go through the hurt, 
um, one the, sta- the stages of grief. Yeah, the stages of grief. And um, again, I've looked at those different approaches. I had to endure. I didn't understand what it was. So I was, before people would go through those different things, I was sympathetic. Now I can be empathetic and be patient with somebody to say, man, no, nah, trust me, I understand. You know, and those, when you, uh, I, I, I was talking uh, to someone recently and I was saying, when you're in a relationship with somebody or anybody, not even just a relationship, a loved one or whatever, you give up real estate. And once you've given somebody a piece of your heart, it, you really can't take it back. You know, God has created us to be loving creatures. So he has given us love beyond what we can imagine, like the capacity of the love that we have in this. You can love somebody dearly, love somebody else dearly, love someone else dearly. You can keep loving and keep loving and keep loving. Um, the truth is when you lose somebody in a relationship, if you ever love them, you still love that person. The only difference is you have to be careful not to fall into malice or resentment of that person. Because that's usually the denial. Yeah, that, that's usually the denial. Well, well, it's always been um, just what I was saying. That be no, yeah, I was saying. Go ahead. I'm sorry. That's usually denial of the love that you actually have for the person, because possibly you don't like the way it ended, or you just wish you could have had that person. Whatever. Right. Um. To to create the malice or the. Um, the 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 word I just said. What I'm sorry. The, the, to create the malice or the resentment. Resent. I'm sorry. Towards someone <laughs> is to deny the love that you actually have for that person. Right. Well, no. I was gonna say is it. It always amazes me is people who've been married and this was a person you chose to spend the rest of your life with, and then they're going through the divorce and it's like they hate each other, and it's like, do y'all really hate each other, or do y'all just hate? That y'all don't hate each other. Mm-hmm. Like you get what I'm saying? Like it's not really because it, you can't just tell me, Steph, that you can go from loving somebody, saying you want to spend the rest of your life with them. And then you telling me now that you absolutely hate this person. It's a defense mechanism. You develop that and you or you create a defense mechanism to say, I actually just I, I don't like that person anymore. I hate them. And, I mean, some people have been wronged in relationships to where the person was possibly emotionally or verbally abusive or or cheated or different things like that, and people feel like they're justified in their actions towards somebody. But to deny the love that you have for somebody doesn't negate the fact that they made you feel some type of way. Just being honest with yourself. Yeah, you can have love for somebody, still have love for them and want the best for them and not be with them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I I mean, but it just, that part amazes me Mm -hmm. because it's like, I was, I wanted to spend the rest of my life with this person or we dated and we were engaged or something like that. And now you just hate that person. And like you say, it probably more than likely is a defense mechanism because we're creatures made to love. Like you brought up earlier and you know, God talks about love your neighbors, you love yourself and things like that. Um, but again, that's the healing process for some of us. So let me ask you, um, how do you feel about therapy? Because, you know, that can be taboo. And do you think that that should be a part of the healing process? Yeah, for many people, I mean, therapy is work, you know. Um, and we're not just saying therapy and not Jesus. We're saying Jesus and therapy. Yeah, no, 100%. Yeah, I just want to make that out. They need yeah. to coincide. Yeah. You know, they need to coincide because it needs to be reinforced. They can coexist. Exactly. Because they it needs to reinforce biblical truth. Um, Like me and you have had many talks in the past. Me and Shauna have had many talks in the past and different things like that. And those were encouraging therapy moments. You, Me and you have even talked about different things. And I'm pretty sure they've been encouraging also. And uh, so... Therapy is honestly like directions. That's really what it is. Helps you to find 
your way. A like, roadmap. There you go. Like, hey, how can where's the closest Wendy's? Right. <laughs> that's it's, it's similar to that. Something he don't eat. And he, exactly. that's what comes yeah, to his mind. I eat the fries though. <laughs> no, it's just like it's like where's the closest Wendy? Right. You're gonna make a right here, go up a mile. This therapy is similar to that. It's a roadmap to help you on the road to recovery. And it's 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 intent. Is to allow you to develop the tools to where you can be able to work through these different changes that you may feel and when nobody's around. You know, you wake up three in the morning thinking about this person and it's difficult. You need to use those roadmaps that you learn in order to to navigate your way there to, you to those places. There you go. So it's like I don't now I don't need anybody to tell me how to get to that Wendy's. I know how to get there myself. Right on. And so the healing process, therapy helps you navigate your way to those when no one else is around. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. Now, have you done therapy? I, you know what? I have had therapy before. Okay. Um, but I don't need to. Like, that's what I, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just was joking. No, I don't need it, don't, though. Don't, don't, don't kill me, Shonda. I'm just joking. You, know, you need it. Yeah. You need it, brother. <laughs> No, have I? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. You know, uh, the good thing about it is this this podcast we have is like <laughs> therapist professionals. So, yeah, just, yeah. you know, I didn't have to. Well, yeah, I mean, Shonda's a professional therapist. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm being honest. Right. So I don't really have to, you know. Let me just call Shonda up for a minute. And you know what? Be To be honest, that's, that's a blessing uh, to be able to be surrounded by people with non-biased opinions. Absolutely. Because they'll allow you to navigate. You, you want to be able to surround yourself with people that give you non-biased opinions that are actually trying to work on themselves, trying to submerge themselves um, in a deeper, more intimate relationship with God. Because I've learned, and this is a part of helping even in the healing process, the closer I get to God, the more God reveals me to myself. And the more I look imperfect. So the more I looked imperfect, I can look at someone else as imperfect also. And I'm more apt to be empathetic and forgiving to that person because I see myself in them also. So I can't hold something over them when I too, very similar. Absolutely. No, I, I, I get what you're saying. Um, it's just, it's just um, when I think about um, the therapy standpoint, even within the black community, it's been taboo for so long. We've talked about that on previous shows, but it's been taboo for so long, but it can be so helpful. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, the Bible is a, is a roadmap through um, building a relationship with God and, um, and, and building your relationship with Christ Jesus. But therapy is, is a roadmap to, if done, if seeing a, the proper therapist can be the roadmap to healing um, long term. And that's what we should all thrive for and press for is to heal. Because unfortunately, um, there is so much trauma that happens every day. And our egos get in the way or our uh, pettiness gets in the way where we don't we don't even allow ourselves to heal. So so to make it. Think about this, Steph. If I if I stabbed you in the leg right now and you didn't suture it, you didn't uh, stitch it or anything, it could get infected. It can um, metastasize. You can get gangrene. You know what I'm saying? You might have to lose a leg. I mean, think about that. If we don't allow healing to happen, we can have something happen where it festers, where it, the only way it can be healed is through cutting it off. Mm -hmm. And and I don't think people think about that. And I don't think the people who are trying to heal sometimes think about that. But I don't think the people, uh, uh, the, the uh, victimizers, think about what they can do. Because even us as parents, sometimes we can say things to our kids that can traumatize them the rest of their lives. Things as siblings, we can say to one another. We can say to our friends, where it's like, you know, sometimes, you know, the Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speak of and somebody say something, you kind of be like, whoa, wait, no, I ain't mean it like that. No, 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 no. How did you mean that? 
You see what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, sometimes people, you be hitting them with that donkey. You cut me real deep there, Shrek. You know what I'm saying? And things like that. So I just think that um, we need to do all-encompassing in all of those aspects. And anything that helps us, um, not anything that helps us heal, but, you know, number one always starts with God. Prayer, fasting, um, seeking um, him. And then secondly, I do think that therapy is then that avenue that we have to take grief counseling. If it's a loved one therapy, if it's for other things, you know, maybe hurts and pains coming up, you might've been hurt as a child, you know, things like that. I think those are important as well. Go ahead. Uh, No, you know, I was going to say, it was just something that just dropped in my head. You know, it's, it's years ago, um, like beginning to fall a man, God knew that he was going to have, to bring Jesus on the scene to allow a man to give man opportunity of salvation. And that means he already had an expectation that we were going to fail. Maybe it's a better idea for us to approach a situation with the expectation of being hurt already, because then you don't have to, if you approach a situation with a different expectation to say this is going to be perfect. Like I, I may say something to you, B, and it's it's not out of, of, you know, coming from a place of anger or a place of trying to hurt you, but I may say something or, you know, say we're talking about the gym or something, and you say, bro, I've been going hard in the gym, this and that. You say, bro, you see that muscle? And I say, not really, right? And then you just laugh it off and you go in your, your truck and then – all that work you put in, that one thing, I may have hurt you. My intention wasn't to hurt you. That's so, why we say, like, charge it to the heart. Yeah, exactly. Don't charge it to my heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah don't, uh, yeah, uh, we, I forgot to say it. Yeah, charge it to my head, not to my yeah, heart. exactly. And the truth is, everybody's going to hurt you. Everybody that you care about and love, at one point or another, is going to hurt you. They're going to say something that's going to be offensive. They're going to miss an event that you wanted them to show up to. They're going to they're gonna do something that you didn't want them to do. They're going to collaborate with people you didn't want them to collaborate. And you guys are going to, uh, you know, it's going to put you in this this emotional roller coaster. Uh, the truth of the matter is I think it's better to approach the situation knowing that people are going to hurt you and to pre- prepare yourself to be established in God to already be encouraged to know that God always restores and God will get you through these different situations. So you're talking about a situation of hoping for the best, but expecting the worst. Exactly. What's what's the saying that dad says? It used to, the real saying is man, giving the benefit of the doubt. Dad says, I'm going to give you the doubt. You got an early benefit. Hey, he got a Jamaican air horn on that one. <laughs> hey, I'm with him, Willie Law. I understand it not differently. Give him the benefit of the doubt. No, I'm gonna No, I'm gonna give you the doubt. You gotta earn the benefit. I like that. Um so uh um before we wrap it up, you know what time of the show it is. block is hot the block is hot so do you have any the block is hot topic Steph that's been on your mind that you want to just get off your chest real quick um you know what yes I think uh right now everybody's going through this this um you know this phase of liberation and within that phase of liberation uh the relationship with God is even more important right now and the reason why it's more important is because we're in a society where everybody feels like they can just do what they want to do. They can identify as they want, do what they want, be who they want, and that's completely fine. But you can't lose your identity in God. Um, it is very important right now that where we're going through and the different things that are going on spiritually, it is very important that you solidify yourself and your relationship in God. So when when everyone else around you it's like that 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 softened soil you in shallow roots. You can be somebody that can stand and endure when the wind blows. So that's one of the things I was gonna say. Hey, 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 hey. 
I like that. I like that. That's a good one. Well, I don't have necessarily a block is hot today, so but I like yours, so I'm gonna let yours stand. Thank you, sir. So uh, we're going to go ahead and wrap up today. Great conversation, Steph. Same. We need you on the show more to give these great insights and dropping nuggets and gems. And we got to get the gang back together. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, no, no. I don't, it's been a while since all four of us has been No, you're here. right. It has been a while. And, yeah, no, I, I told you I'm going to try to make a, a more of an effort to be consistent. I'm one thing, you know what, B, I'm one thing I'm learning right now. Um, I can work, 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 but it doesn't really matter is when you're working so much and then the people around you uh, are missing your presence. And, you know, we kind of, we grew up to where uh, in that generation of men to where they were like, I, I'm a, I love like you. Men, men. Yeah. yeah like, but it's, it's like, like, I love you, but, but I got to keep, I got to go, I got to go hit this job. Yeah. And I grew, we, we grew up around that time where mm-hmm. everybody was working like, hard. But the real way I show you, I love you is the lights is on. There you got you go. clothes on your back. Providing. I'm pro- the providing is the way I show you I love you. But the presence. The presence I'm learning is one of the most important things because uh, people miss the intent. And it's something that we were exposed to. Oh, yeah. Up, which definitely. is not bad, but it's a balance. Oh, yeah. It's definitely it a balance. So I'm, I'm going to make that effort. To I, I, well, well, I appreciate that. No problem. And, and Shonda. I, and, and Shonda and appreciate Lauren. And Lauren, we are all I mean, well, oh, she don't really show up. <laughs> oh, see? <laughs> <laughs> so we going to go ahead and uh, close it out. So go ahead and hit us with your closing statement, sir. Uh, my closing dissertation. Um, <laughs> um, I don't really know. I think I've said everything that I, I, I needed to say today. Um, faith over feelings. I'm going to say that. I think I've said that before. And I also have that as a reminder in my phone. And it's an alert that goes off at 9 a.m. every single morning. And I have to remind myself that my faith is more important than my feelings. So uh, regardless of how I'm feeling that day, I have to to be surrounded uh, by the presence of God because he allows me to get through so much. I look at uh, being in real estate and being in the business, how, you know, you go from real estate of doing uh, selling multiple houses and 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 doing uh, great things when the market is hot and then the market changes and it's like, and God still keeps me sustained and restored. So um, faith over feelings. Amen, amen, amen. Um, so I'm just going to keep it uh, simple. Um, I saw a video recently where a gentleman talked about um, healing and how the healing process looks. And sometimes when we, when something appears to heal, it doesn't always heal and doctors have to go back in. So if your leg was healing, but it didn't heal straight, they'll go back in and break your leg to allow the leg to heal the proper way. So no matter what your healing looks like, no matter how long it may take for you to heal, no matter the, 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 the process you have to go through in your healing, make sure that the healing is a true healing, that we don't have to go back in there and break you down again so that it can be a proper healing. So us as people, we have to allow people to heal the way they heal, but also people who are trying to heal, make sure that we have people in our lives that are making sure that we're doing the proper things to heal. And the number one person that is always going to be there to help you through the healing is Christ Jesus. And with that being said, I just want to thank you all for listening to another episode of Road to Damascus, where it's not about the road, it's about the journey. And until next time, I thank you for listening. Thank you and God bless.